What are we doing? Hello, we're live. It's the Tabletop hey. Colin Show <laughs> Talk Show. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. I hope you're here having a nice time. It's Monday. It's January Happy 3rd, New Year. 2022. That's fucked up. Uh, the year is here. The year is here. The year's gone. I don't know. What the fuck? What's the difference? We are in the same position in relation to the sun that we were whenever some uh, weirdos set up the Gregorian calendar and said January was the first month. That's what's going on. And it's exciting. The numbers are going up. Um, <laughs> Classic numbers go up, dude. Uh, I'm Adam Bell. I am one of two hosts of the Tabletop Colin Show. It's a talk show week, so I'll just be chatting with Jeremy here. You could find me on Twitter at Adam E. Bell. You could find my games at adamebell.games, which I'm sure we're going to get into this in a second, but Grasping Nettles is live. I've been talking about it. You can go get it. You can go enjoy it, play it, tell me about it, tell your friends about it. But uh, If you've already bought it, you have it. Yeah. Jeremy, who are you? My name is Jeremy Gage. I'm the host of the Draw Your Dice podcast, which will be back to you shortly if you heard my 2021 review episode. Uh, and you can also find that at Draw Your Dice Pod over on Twitter, at Jeremy Gage 5 for myself over at Twitter. Uh, also, did you know that Grasping Nettles is uh, out on itch? So you can totally go buy that as well. Oh, uh, I'm oh, also oh. one of two hosts <laughs> of the Tabletop Call In Show. Yeah, we've got your uh, regular to hosts. Out- today yeah today <laughs> uh new host to come in the future that's not true i'm gonna be here till i die that's right uh and con you know constantly working on emerald dive we just we were talking about skill systems off air which maybe we could talk about again on air maybe maybe <laughs> but talk about hey hey kicking the can back adam talk about grasping nettles it's been a journey oh boy it has uh what a hard thing it is to make a finished game that also you want to be something that you can sell for the rest of your life <laughs> without <laughs> hopefully without ever having to make another change to it uh, because it's a little different than like a low stakes like nice digital release where it's like here's a game it's good but I just don't have the time or energy to put into this this is something that like this is going to be I think one of my pillars right so that means Sasha and I took a lot of time to make it look nice. Too much time, you might add, but most of that was <laughs> most of that was because uh, fucking twenty twenty one sucked. No, <laughs> everything about it. I mean, it was fine, uh, but it sucked. Yeah, you went through a lot. Yeah, it was a it was a real roller coaster. We're on the other side of it. I mean, we're approaching a new uh, shitty year, probably. Let's be honest, but. It's done. We did it. It looks great. The extra time was worth it. Sasha did an incredible job making the game look very nice. I love the cover. I love the inside. And you want to you want to you want to know what else I love about it, Jeremy? What the fuck do you love about it? Is it a special type of tech, Adam? No, it's the quick nettles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fact what, that what are for, quick nettles? For the first time ever, I've I hired people smart wonderful little writers uh to put worlds in my game because this time last year i was thinking hey it's good wow what the hell is going on this time last year i was 
I had the revelation that absolutely you should give players the tools to skip the parts of your game that you don't they don't want to engage with. So for a world building game, that's uh, building a world from scratch. And you know what I did? Mm-hmm. You know what I did, Jeremy. You you tell me. You know what? You reached out to only me and asked me to write <laughs> eight quick notes uh, and put different and, names on. and commit identity theft for <laughs> four of our other friends. <laughs> you reached out and you you got in touch with people and said, "Hey, why don't you make a just a little goofy world that people can start from the rip on?" Yeah, and uh, you did a great you did a really great job. Everyone's so different and fun, and I think. The other thing that they do is provide like more expectation. It's like reading the random tables in mm-hmm. like an OSR game where you're like, "Oh, this is where the setting is. It's on these fucking tables." <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, uh, I've been thinking that for the last couple of days. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, they read yours, and it's like, "Oh, you could do something kind of spooky and like and sinister here." They read. I like and monsters. They're. Honestly, every time I read yours, I find something new that I didn't notice, which is like, hey, good job. I gotta say. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they, they just all these different like play styles start percolating in people's brains and they can start uh, imagining what they want to do, even if they don't use the quick nettles. And I think that's fucking rad. It even inspired me to change mine at the really i mean in the past week i wrote truly a new the one. lastest of seconds <laughs> i replaced my like pretty cool world that is still you could still get if you look at the screenshots on the uh on the itch page you could see the old one because i figured just fuck just leave it whatever um and replaced it with one about when i worked at bob evans <laughs> as a teenager <laughs> which also is a really cool thing because you're showcasing what sort of like worldly scopes you yeah. can work in when it comes to generational stuff, which is really, really fascinating. It's I think something that like world building games don't often consider like the micro world. Yeah. I, I honestly barely considered it until last week. <laughs> <laughs> like I knew it was possible, but I didn't, I didn't think about what that actually could look like. Until I, I mean, last week we had that conversation about QR codes, which I did. Mm-hmm. Look in the back of the book if you're if you're reading the book. Uh, there's a QR code that'll take you to a link to a feedback form. You can tell me how cool your game that you played was, uh, and get a secret quick nettle. So I had to write a secret quick nettle. So then I posted a Twitter thread, which one I should write. Realized I liked all three ideas, and so put one of them in the main book, uh, and then. One of them is the secret one. But yeah, they were all like very small, like a restaurant, like the employees of a restaurant is like definitely a community. Uh, <laughs> During the de- season of hash browns. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the one season I included, it was the Sunday brunch rush because yeah. Bob, Bob Evans is for. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm being sent to a place. Right now. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Bob Evans, if you've never been, if you if you have the fortune of having never gone to a Bob Evans, it, uh, it and I don't ever call it Bob Evans in the thing, so this is a secret glimpse behind the curtain, although you could definitely figure it out. It pretends that it's like a nice diner, nice home, home-cooked meals at a diner, and uh, 
that means the old the old people after church every Sunday just fucking swarm. <laughs> Horrible. Hot coffee. <laughs> so <laughs> many. <laughs> so many people had to like be employed on those days compared to anything else. Like I said, <laughs> I like monsters. So. Yeah. <laughs> you mean the customers? <laughs> you mean the mm-hmm. old? They're they are the monsters. Yeah, what's next? What are we talking about? <laughs> Good question. Good question. Uh, I know that there's some people hungry for whatever I'm brewing skills-wise, as I saw in the chat. Of course. But I also want to say hello to everyone per the usual, because we're still at a at a viewer count that allows me to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> what up, Cameron? What up, MB? What up, Dan Phipps? What up, John Geary? What up, Fictive Fun, Will Yopes, Donnie Dynamo, Tankstein, Foremost Grub 9, Aaron MFK. That's everyone. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. And for those of you who are potentially lurking and haven't said anything, that's okay. Fucking watch us, dude. Watch the chat live or listen to the podcast later. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Dice Ghost, what up? Oh, and Raph. Raph is also here. This is happening so fast. <laughs> this is probably the ma- this is the maximum. This is probably the maximum I would do. Like, the, within the first 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hello, everyone. Thanks for watching us today. Thanks for being with us here live. Uh, yeah. So, uh is it so skills is a topic we can talk about today is there anything else else you want to talk about today um i i there's this zine month thing floating around that we could talk about i want i don't i tweeted this very late last night as i was going to bed but i need you to convince me to not make a fantasy game and call it the bell hack we can get into that I'm here for it. <laughs> Damn it. It will be called the bell hat. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I love my fantasy trad stuff. So uh, let's, let's do the, let's do those two topics today. I think that'll run us the hour, right? You know, skills. And then that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, what do you got? So, uh, <laughs> This is for Umbral Dive. Let's let's first talk about the origin story, right? A long time ago, oh, there was a boy who tried so hard to resist that he loved skirmish fantasy trad games because he didn't want to be a trite game designer. <laughs> and then he said, fuck that. I do love skirmish traditional fantasy games. I can just lift them out of the grave and make something better. So, uh, ended up coming to a point where I've been doing a lot of skirmish game research, a lot of traditional fantasy research. I've read uh, Pendragon, 13th Age, Earth Dawn, uh, you know, D&D, 4th edition and 5th edition. Um, I've read a little bit of Pathfinder, uh, and so I, uh, I was, li- and I've been consuming a, a shit ton of podcasts about different trad fantasy subjects that are not D&D 5e specific. And 
uh, ended up listening to this podcast about skills that really like opened up my mind, like what skills could possibly be. Mm. So let's talk about like what I don't like about traditional skill systems, uh, especially ones that like have the GM pick a difficulty rating. The first one is the GM picks a difficulty rating. Okay. Uh, I hate when there's a conversation at the table of like, hey, I want to break down this door. Cool. How hard is that? 17 Is that hard. a five? That's is that, 17 is hard. Is that 17 hard? Yeah. That's a 17 hard, right? I'm a level three character, dude. Uh-huh. Well, it's you, an iron door, right? You can roll. You can roll. <laughs> you can roll. <laughs> Pissed. Uh, so I don't like when skill systems are not player-facing, or the game hasn't decided what the difficulty is. Mm-hmm. So in uh, Spencer Campbell's Slayers, the skill difficulty is four or higher, right? Like if you get a four or higher, you succeed. Uh, in another game uh, that I play is called Emberwind, which is mm-hmm. kind of a, a skirmish style game, a little bit of a trad fantasy thing. They do a roll under system, but all of the uh, difficulty checks are determined by the player's stats. So if you have like a 11 in athletics, you have to roll 11 or under to succeed at the task, which I also really enjoy. I just like when it's static and it's decided and there's no like wiggle room about like how difficult something is. I agree. Or how, I... di- or the, the side of it that how difficult is it for the character? Not how difficult is the task, but how difficult is it for the characters to succeed at said task, right? Yeah, I just uh, I hate I hate when it's bit. arbitrary. Like if I'm GMing, whenever whenever I was GMing like D and D, like trying to decide an arbitrary number for how hard something is, is like fucking, I don't know. That takes all this brain power that I'd rather be using describing how uh, cool it was when you swung the sword. Yeah, at the goblin. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so in Umbral Dive, I will be attempting to figure out how to decide that sort of probability stuff. I'm definitely overcomplicating it because I still can't decide on a fucking resolution system for so it. Our, but I, well, you know, as the uh, resident other person on the show, I, I have to act as the audience here. And also, I genuinely don't know. Are, you, are people rolling an um, Umbral Dive now? <laughs> Is it no longer... Auto hits? Uh, for combat, no. But for, uh, for like doing the adventure stuff, okay. I do think there's some like, what? How do we decide what the outcome looks like, or how do we amount to success? For anyone who doesn't know, uh, the big like overarching design once I have for Umbral Dive is to play with the concept of uh, time as a pressure mechanic. How fast can you complete something oh, and succeed at it? And how and secondly how do smaller micro successes add up to a larger more successful outcome and so uh i do think there's going to be a little bit of like for adventure style dungeon exploration i'm trying to think about like how to incorporate metroidvania stuff and like you you have a it takes you know on a small dungeon you have to explore for a minimum of like five rounds i'm making up numbers and i'm making up mechanics here on the fly mm-hmm. but like my idea is that every dungeon has like a minimum amount of exploration rounds you have to do and that's going to tax your resources in different ways 
and the more difficult the dungeon the more the higher the minimum round is before you can like face the boss and complete the dungeon so like a more difficult dungeon might be you have to explore for 10 rounds uh and your exploration like percentage is going to help determine how hard the boss is um and stuff like that but uh all the way to come back to skills the second thing that i don't like about more trad style skill systems is the dick swinging contest that happens when uh you know you go into a room and like i'd like to make a perception check who has the highest perception here at the table and then everyone's like looking at their character sheets like figure out it's like a bid contest of like oh i have a 22 perception i'll search the room let me so then i'm gonna look i'm gonna roll this i'm gonna look i have the highest one but then that's like all the other players are now no longer capable of making perception checks. You know what I mean? Like that's what usually happens at the mm-hmm. table. The cleric is the one who makes the perception, the insight, the fucking, even the survival. And you have a fucking ranger there. Right. <laughs> so, because their wisdom is so fucking high. Uh, and that's not, uh, I don't see that as fun. So, Uh, Something I was thinking about was making a, like taking the idea of the crew sheet from Blades in the Dark and making a party sheet. Like what is the party good at skill-wise altogether? And that couples with the dungeon exploration thing because if you split the party, you can examine the dungeon faster which would get you to the boss sooner, so you're not taxed as many resources. But when you split the party, the party skill sheet gets weaker. Like, you as a team uh, cannot overcome challenges as strongly as you were together when you're separated. So that's also something I was thinking about. And then... How do you think think about doing that? I want to noodle on this one, unless you've got more to talk about. But that's that's the idea that's making me... I I like it. (laughs) <laughs> the uh there's one more part for all of that is mm. when it con- there's a a podcast I was listening to called the Smart Party podcast or what would the Smart Party do and they're specifically like a trad fantasy like examination podcast and uh one thing they talked about is they don't uh and something that I found that I don't like they don't like specific skill systems And what that means is, like, imagine you have a skill system and there's, like, one quirky skill, like, swimming, right? If any one player takes that swimming skill to, like, a higher degree of mastery, you now have to include water in your game, like, swimming traversal in your game. And it may only be one person who wanted to make a sailor, right? Everyone else is like, we get it. This is a cave diving dungeon game. Like, we don't have to swim. Uh, but because that skill's in there, it gives the option. So instead, they talk about how in D&D 5e, there's a feature for the sage background where when you fail, like, I think it's like a knowledge check of some sort, like history or something like that, religion. Uh, if you fail the check, you do know where to get the information later. And uh, I really like the idea of, like, they called it penumbra skills, where you have, like, a major category and then you just have a conversation about like, oh, what else could you know, right? So if I uh, if I have a high history skill, then could I know about runes? Could mm-hmm. I know about ancient civilizations? Could I know about like wars or something like that? 
Um, and then you just sort of like write that in somewhere to whatever your allotment is. Same thing for like, if your major category was physique encompassing all things like athletics, stealth, dexterity, all that stuff. Um, then could you say that like, oh, I can chop wood, I can bust down a door, I can, like, you get this, like, you can write in smaller tertiary specifics based on a major category, because if your category, if you're a strong person, if you're physically strong, uh, there's a lot you can do that shouldn't be limited by the skill system. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, that was the last bit of that. But we can go back to the group thing. That was just the three parts of the yeah, skill yeah. system. Player facing or designer decided numbers. Uh, that's, a, a, that's a 19. A, a group sheet uh, that encompasses all skills so you don't have like a bid contest. And then uh, penumbra like radiating uh skill map that sort of like says oh this is my major good skill what else falls under that in our setting mm -hmm. ooh, ooh, ooh. yeah so how how do you think you do this group skill thing because i know you like to think about paper tech and so like i <laughs> want to hear the paper tech that makes this like seamless like is there <laughs> is there something that like okay you know, the party's all together, so, like, we all have our little, like, skill quarter sheets. Like, they're in the middle of the table. Everybody That's can just, exactly like, what I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, oh, the party split. So, like, uh, seamlessly, we don't talk about it because we've been playing this game. This is our 15th session. Like, we're good at this. Yeah, yeah. I, I have, like, split off, so I'm slowly sliding my little sheet away. Oh, and you came yeah. with me, so, like, we'll make a second pile over here, and we know that, like, this yes. is, this is yeah. where we do it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's so fascinating. So I think what that would do is kind of talk about the individual mm -hmm. and fitting like the skill system on like let's imagine an index card, right? Mm -hmm. It could definitely be larger. In fact, it probably should should it be larger <laughs> in some regard. But I I think I imagine like the configuration of putting these puzzle pieces together. That's the party sheet, and then you can sort of like as you move different rooms, you can separate that away. Which means that all the character sheets would have to sort of, like, be uniform in some way. Excuse me. But then, maybe it's, like, a class thing. Because there will be classes in the game. So maybe it's, because, like, there are five guilds based on the alchemical planets. So, like, mm -hmm. Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. And those hold, like, different strategies and tactics for the classes. Great. So, for example, the, the Saturn class or the Saturn guild is, like, a knowledge guild. But it's not knowledge and, like, you're all just wizards. It's that you work with machinery. So the three tactics are, like, the gunbreaker who uses a gun blade and, like, does that sort of tech. There's the machinist who makes, like, arms and rifles and robots. And mm -hmm. then there's the stage who makes, like, these – they're, like, they're called funnels in animes – uh, but it's like these floating lasers that you kind of control with your energy or your mind, depending on the particular genre. And um, so that guild like focuses on that. So then does that mean that the guild is good at like mechanisms? And then is that your quarter sheet? Like uh, when you're a part of a group and you can all sort of like mind think together, is, your, is it that your individual skills are boosted up based on the number of players that are around? right mm -hmm. and you all sort of roll to see like how you assist maybe that's it maybe it's like 
there's a core set of skills for a class and then for every party member you're attached to they get to roll like their knowledge dice it it kind of part of this was an inspiration from watching misfits and magic if anyone's watched that on dropout uh with abria johnson and uh all the different players of that game they were playing kids on brooms and whenever abria had them make i don't know kids on brooms very well but they had them make group checks and said like a a total difficulty like Mm -hmm. your total difficulty is 35 so using all of your skills in this category you must be a 35 and everyone would add their numbers together. I found that really fascinating. I think that really circumvents the like when we're doing things as a group. So I think maybe it might be like a player facing thing. Maybe there are ranks to difficulty checks. Like maybe it's a, a like if we're saying the number is B to four, like in Slayers, maybe each rank of difficulty is four more, right? So like, a rank one difficulty is four, while a rank three is 12 or some shit like that. And that way Mm -hmm. the game has sort of decided what that is. And there's less like granularity for the GM to like decide like, oh, is it a 15, 16, 17 or 18? Then you just really have to say like, oh, is it 12, 16 or 20 here? Uh, That's my first thought. When you talked about that quarter sheet, that's what I'm thinking. I think there's like a, the individual, and then the individual is boosted with how many party members they're with. Boosted. Yeah. I like what uh, Aaron is saying in the chat here, too. Like, the love the idea of everyone rolling checks at the start and saving those dice results, and the party can choose mm-hmm. when to use which. So someone going mm-hmm. off alone, do they take a good result or leave the good ones for the rest of the party? I think that could mm. be a very interesting structure. I don't, like, I don't know about for the game you're making, but for definitely a game. Uh, where it's like the results that we're going to get are pre-planned and like you got to choose when to take the loss here uh, and you're going to go into a dangerous place. Maybe you should uh, maybe you should take some wins with you. <laughs> <laughs> Catching up on chat, but you can keep keep juicing um, on it. Keep juicing on it. Shit. I don't know. That's just a good idea. <laughs> I don't have any extra shit to add to it. I just liked uh, it. Yeah, yeah, I think, so those, like, basically what that all sums up to is Mm. that there are some things that I feel like skill systems in trad fantasy games haven't really adjusted that much. It's been, like, a pass-fail thing, or even if it's been, like, like a success ban, like, uh, Dungeon World could be an example of a skill system, right, in that you have a stat, it gives you a bonus, and you make your 2d6 roll. That's still, like, a skill system, a skill resolution system. And so uh, those are just like my three big gripes with mostly D&D because that's the only one I've played. But in other ones that I've read, even I think Pendragon does a percentile system and you have to roll over it to, over it to succeed. I can't remember. Um, in, uh, and then in 13th Age, they have a similar skill system to D&D and uh yeah it's just there's a lot more that can be done and i really would love to go like i'm a big fan of anime and like collective stories so i don't believe in like the individual chosen hero sort of thing i believe that like you all play a part in exploring Mm -hmm. the dungeon and not in just that you're covering all your bases with like party composition which is traditional for D D 5e it's like how do you all 
help each other beyond the help action, right? I think uh, the the group action in Blades in the Dark has like the closest feeling of this for me. Yeah. But with the, like the price of stress, it sort of still puts the onus on like one person covering everybody else. So you're trying um, to detoxify your game from the horrors of American individualism. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know I about, love it, baby. <laughs> make it about the team, not just me. Me, 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 me. Yeah. I got mine. Yeah. I rolled high. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac, see, give me the information so I can keep it secret from everybody. <laughs> I don't share. <laughs> I don't fucking share. That could uh, be fun. That's not to make fun of people that keep secrets from their party. Yeah. In yeah. character, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you yeah, that's my thoughts on skills. 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 That's what I'm trying to do with Emerald. I figure it out. Mm-hmm. My three big ones. I think uh, I like I like where you're going. I I think it's definitely interesting that like the skills like these it, it says something about your game that, or about the game that you're presenting when like the skill checks disappear in combat. I, I think that's really interesting. Like these, these are people that are like real good at beating up on big monsters. Mm-hmm. They stop rolling. Uh, but whenever they go and try to like see a trap or like talk to a human, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it goes bad. <laughs> I think that's good. I think that's, I think that's an interesting interplay. Kind of like flipping the way D and D sort of works on its head a little bit, where it's like we're never really rolling until we're fighting something in D and D, and then it's just free form like imagination. Yeah. There, are, obviously, you can roll a persuasion check, but come on, <laughs> come on, that's Who's four- actually gonna do it, dude. That, that's a fourteen on the persuasion uh, difficulty. So good luck. Uh, you've got that, right, uh, Max? You've got that, right? I'm the Who's... barbarian, dude. If I succeed, I'm going to beat him up. All right. We don't oh, need to get it. Thing... What? Yeah, please. Sorry, there's just one more thing. <laughs> Seamless. There is, there is one more bit that they – never mind. That's I don't I don't need to go into it. What, what was the second thing? What was the second thing we were going to talk about? Uh, The bell hack. <laughs> Zine month. The bell hack. Yeah, tell us what is what is the bell hack? Because I catch up on chat here. Well, should we start with Zine Month? Which is uh yes. everybody knows about Zine Quest. Not everybody knows about Zine Quest. Zine Quest was a thing that four years ago. Yeah, because this would be the fourth one. Four years ago, Kickstarter somebody at Kickstarter had a, like an actual good idea where they're gonna pull in creators in the tabletop space to create uh smaller projects. I'm not saying they executed it well, but it was a good idea. Uh, and it was very successful also, though all three of these can be true. And so that's usually in February. Last year, they really dragged their feet on announcing it. This year, they're doing that again. And uh, I bet they don't announce it if I had money in the game based on the feelings in the air. I don't know. Uh, and so there are some individuals whose names I forget. I should find it. <laughs> There's a couple of people trying to put together like an alternative. Um, it looks like Charlie Rat Bastard on Twitter at, at Charlie for Games uh, is trying to organize like a platform agnostic crowdfunding like joint venture. 
and they're calling it Zine Month, and they've got like a, a cute little logo with a banner. Uh, I'm very curious to see how it goes because it's I don't know, it's ambitious. It's an experiment. It's much easier to do this kind of thing if you're just a big corporation that already has a platform, and harder to do it if you're just somebody you know trying to pull together a community. So. The idea is, yeah, you run a campaign, a pre-order campaign, a itch funding campaign, a crowdfunding campaign, wherever the fuck you want, and then it'll go on one central website where you can see it all. So it gets me thinking, right? Yesterday, should I do mm-hmm. something? Should I? Because I was already, I was originally thinking about doing ZineQuest with the tactical storytelling engine, which I've since uh, I've mentioned that I've since kind of fizzled out on, and I'm just going to release on itch uh, at some point. Um, but what if I uh, what if I made a fantasy game? This is my mm. thoughts yesterday. Everybody wants to make a fantasy game. Everybody, Everybody uh, loves fantasy. Right, we got to do it. We hate fantasy. We love fantasy. Fantasy's a big problem, but also we can't get away from it. What if I what if I hopped in and then as I'm going to sleep I have the cursed thought of what if I call it the fucking bell hack because <laughs> it's funny as hell um, and I'm I'm looking for people to tell me not to do it and all I'm getting is the opposite <laughs> the confirmation the validation of the bell hack it's is not what idea. I'm looking for <laughs> so. So, Adam, mm-hmm. now the tables have turned, and this is your subject. Great. Uh, so, first off, what are you, what, what fan, like, okay, so when we say fantasy, I think the general assumption is, is Euro medieval fantasy. Yeah. Right? Um, but is that the fantasy that you're trying to do, or is there something, like, a little different, or it's what a, are you, what are you imagining? It's a good question. I'm imagining... Um, so I'm making, I'm making project Axial tilt, which I've mentioned before. It's like a, mm-hmm. a sci-fi game. It's got a lot. I'm going to be putting a lot of thought into setting and, and set pieces and trying to uh, like do a good job with it and say something with it, but also make it very fun to play. Even if you're not listening to what I'm saying, uh, unless you're a shithead and then get out of here, you don't want to play my game. It's so like I the thing I immediately started doing was hacking that game that's not finished. Yet again, <laughs> Axial Tilt is getting pillaged <laughs> for a different project. When you look at a fucking junkyard muffler, you're like, ooh, there's a great pipe on here. <laughs> Just saw that shit off. So like what I wanna do is I wanna I, I might just try to take a lot of like the thoughtful design that I'm putting in to this sci fi game, throw it out the window. And just make a fantasy game that you can grab any old, you can probably grab any like module that you have and, and run it through. So I, I, I'm going to have the fighter, I'm going to have the wizard, I'm going to have like the basic classes because like... Classic four. Hmm? The classic what, four. What are the other two? Like a rogue ranger? Uh, I think the classic four are uh, like the warrior, the cleric, mm-hmm. the mate, and the rogue. Oh, yeah. cleric. Oh, I forgot about clerics. I wrote down all this shit and didn't write down the cleric. <laughs> I would never in my life play a cleric or a paladin. <laughs> That's I love weirdos. paladins. I love yeah. paladins and I love rangers. Right. Well, it's going to have the classic classes. Classic. Sure. Classic. Oh, maybe the classic is the ranger, not the rogue, actually. Yeah. Anyways. 
whichever. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be, I'm not going to provide a setting because like nobody wants that in a fantasy game. If they want that, they've purchased some that's cool, true. some module that's written better than whatever shite I would put into mine. <laughs> um, maybe, I don't know. I could probably maybe. do a good job if I really put my mind to it, but I'm not fucking Why'd going to. Why don't you come to. work on Umbral Dive with me? Huh? Yeah. You want me yeah. to? I don't care. I would, you know, I, I love know. it. I'd love. To. Yeah. I don't know Final you, Fantasy. I don't know if you care about the tactical part of it. <laughs> I do and I don't. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> There's so much in my brain that like wants to be doing board game design that like tactical RPG feels like. While I like them and I would like to play it. I don't know how to design it without it feeling like oh, maybe I should just go make a board game. Cause every time I get too crunchy, I just end up realizing I'm designing a board game that has no storytelling capability. <laughs> oh shit. What were we saying? <laughs> fantasy. You could make a great fantasy. You're doubting yourself on your ability to create a, a setting. And I think, Oh, I'm not doubting myself. on my building game. Not necessarily doubting myself on my ability to, on my desire to, because <laughs> I'm already making, like, if I'm already making the setting for, for Axial Tilt, do you really think I could bust out two settings this year? No. That one I'm doubting, on a burnout level, at least. <laughs> Just like, make one setting two different places. You're welcome. Hmm. I'm trying. So I'm trying to backwards, back reverse. I'm trying to reverse engineer. Uh, <laughs> the the setting that is happening for Axial Tilt, which is an abandoned planet that got fucked up in the terraforming, <laughs> mm. backwards into fantasy because it already kind of is fantasy. I don't know. It's a mess. I don't want to make a fantasy setting because they're problematic and weird, but we love them anyway. <laughs> Uh, Dice goes saving me here. What does the bell hack system look like? Great yeah, question. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was my question. next question. <laughs> that first question just got longer than, <laughs> than I wanted it to. <laughs> so if it's a hack, it's going to be a hack. If you've listened to, was it two weeks ago where we did a we we did the we devolved into dice math hell. Yeah. What, whichever episode of the talk show that was. Uh, it looks it looks much like that. Uh, I last night I jotted down the stats at the table here. Let's see if I can reach it without unplugging my headphones. Here we are. So it's a game where whenever you go to roll dice, you're going to be choosing a difficulty between the four, which in this case are social, physical, constitutional, and magical. Uh, so every Every dice or every dice roll is measured up against one of those four things. Um, each character, based on their class, has different starting values for those difficulties, and then those can go up as you get hurt and try to avoid consequences. Within those are three stats each. So under social, you've got converse, surmise, and beguile. Uh-huh. Beguile. Uh under physical, you've got traverse, hit, and shoot. Under constitutional, you've got withstand, remedy, and skulk. 
And then under magical, you've got destroy, conjure, and alter. So those are the 12 stats. You probably already forget everything I said, because uh, I would never mm-hmm. be able to listen to a list like that, but that's okay. All I remember is your sexy beguile. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> beguile. Where's Tyler Crime Ryan, dude? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> so with... Why is Tyler never here watching the show? <laughs> We need to get Tyler to call in and just do his voice. Then he does like this. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> ah, that's a that's a Pirates of the Caribbean cold read deep cut for all the brain trust people out there. Uh, so the combination of those twelve stats and the four difficulties should let you do just about anything that you normally do in a fantasy setting. So if you want to roll your destroy stat against physical, then you're breaking something. Right, mm-hmm. probably physically. Like if you want to re- roll destroy against magical, then you're going to magically break something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, if you want to, if you want to roll skulk socially, maybe you're trying to. That's you. Like, you you might do beguile. This, there's a little blades mm-hmm. here where you could do one or the other. But maybe you're trying to like avoid a topic from coming up. You're like, I'm rolling this so that I could drive this conversation around this tough topic. Uh, mm-hmm. As I skulk mm-hmm. around in a social manner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wonder if there's like a just noodling now on mm-hmm. what you're sort of talking about. I wonder if there's like a rock, paper, scissors thing in this that's worth exploring. Not doing, but like mm-hmm. worth like thinking about and deciding if it works or if it goes in the junk pile. Like could, because you, you said destroy magically, but it's like you have the magical means to do that. I don't know. I was just thinking about thinking about rock, paper, scissors. Probably, probably also because I looked up the Fire Emblem battle system this morning mm-hmm. to figure out stuff for Umbral Dive, and that I was thinking about rock, paper, scissors. Right. I don't know. How would you... Tell me about it. Like, are you... At, instead of rolling dice, you're playing rock, paper, scissors? Because that's... Well, I think you still roll cool. dice, but maybe, okay. like, die steps or die modifiers are decided by like oh you know this npc is engaging in mm-hmm. etc but then do you run into the problem of again like oh i have beguile so i will try i will come over from across the room <laughs> and i have no idea that this conversation is happening bump in and be like actually this topic like <laughs> hmm. uh, so maybe that actually doesn't help because it still goes back to the i'm better back at to your this problem yeah than you are yeah yeah, I'm hoping I do think that like the more having some GM guidelines in the more story esque games that like I dabble in. So something, mm-hmm. you know, like in Forge in the Dark, the GM should never let that happen. Cause if you described yourself sneaking, somebody else can't be like, I'm gonna roll for you. Cause like, no no no. Yeah. We roll because of what happened in the fiction, not to see yeah. what happened. I don't know. It's there's like a fine line there that is up to the table. And I bet there are still like, okay, who should do. <laughs> yeah. Who has the higher skirmish? Who should, me. <laughs> yeah. Who should do the hunt? You have four yeah. skirmishes. We've learned on, on this podcast yeah. before. <laughs> I've the, I, I'm willing to fight, dude. Fucking put someone in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's like the core mechanic. I, I'm trying to decide how much of the shit from Axial Tilt I am throwing out. It's like weird to subvert your own game that you haven't released yet. Cause 
people, mm-hmm. people won't get that that's what you're doing. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it, dude. So like to hack, cause Axial Tilt, you've got things like there's no HP. There, there's no HP. There's only like damage to your stats that you as a player do when you choose to like avoid consequences. You're like, no, no, no. The thing you just described doesn't happen. I don't get my leg blown off by a big gun. <laughs> you instead, I'm gonna like make my uh, physical difficulty higher from here on out until I fix it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. fixing it is like a whole oh, yeah. fictional situation where like, oh, to fix your physical, like you have to go and rest at home and like do some workouts and and show that your character's doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. But in the fantasy game, I kind of want to subvert that and do like a fucking long rest, reset your stats for every day yeah. that you rest. Yeah, I was that was another thing that I would in that what would the smart party do podcast? They talked about health for a little bit mm-hmm. and like wounds and stuff. And it depends on the type of game you're making, but this is gonna be majorly separate from the bell hack conversation <laughs> as a tangent. Still but call, can't call it the bell hack. <laughs> it is the bell hack. It's the it's the bell curve hack, dude. Which means you have to use multiple dice. Everything has to be two D or higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> they talked about how you know we all have the problem with there's only a difference between health one and health zero in most like trad fantasy games. Mm-hmm. And when you include wounds in the scenario. Uh, you're kind of creating a death spiral si- or a yeah a death spiral system mm-hmm. where like the more wounds you accumulate, the weaker you become, which means the chances of success are less high. And uh, something that was interesting about two things I took away from that. One, uh, I play a game called Emberwind. If no one's seen it, it's by uh, Nom the Board Games. It's, you know, it's a fantasy game, but it says at the end of each en- encounter, fully restore your HP and remove all conditions. Mm-hmm. And I have found that to be okay mm-hmm. in a game where, like, combat is the only phase of the game, like D&D. Like, you have combat, you have not combat, and then you have combat again. So, like, you're always going to run into a situation where, like, players are going to want to rest. If you want to put them through a gauntlet, put them through a gauntlet where the encounter does not end, right? That prevents a rest scenario. But I found that really fascinating. But the conversation of wounds in that, like, you... It's a... Uh, 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 Blades in the Dark is a good example. Like, yep. the tra- the death spiral of a wound system, right? You take mm-hmm. two level two harms, you're rolling two less dice on any action roll that you're any, making. Any relevant action roll, yeah. Yeah, broken legs like, if you're trying to walk and you've got level two harm broken left leg level two harm yeah. broken right leg can't walk yeah yeah you're fucked happen, dude minus two <laughs> you're absolutely goof <laughs> uh so that was really fascinating to think about because i i at first i was like oh i really like wound systems i think they have that like grittiness to it but then on strictly looking at it mechanically what you're really telling the players like if you get hurt at all, you you run into a really bad scenario. And I more prefer, like, the epic fantasy of, like, health as a representation of, like, luck or ability. Mm-hmm. In that every time you lose hit points, you can describe, like, how did you avoid that blow? How did you, like, mitigate that blow? And that's, like, how... It's like a stamina system almost is, mm-hmm. is another way to look at it. 
that's what I think about health and trad fan like trad epic fantasy games. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what um cuz I don't really want to put HP in, but I kind of yeah. do. I can't think of a way to like cleanly put HP into the system. Uh because it's so much about like right. your stats going up to resist, but I guess you could just resist losing HP like a fucking loser and like maybe <laughs> Maybe in that case, like, the HP refreshes, but the, what's the other thing? But the stats, like, are actually still difficult to mm-hmm. refresh. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't avoid, like, HP is basically an amount of of rolls that you can bungle mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. before you have to start, like, taking real damage to yourself. Yeah. That whole fucking Twitter thread. For anyone who doesn't follow me on Twitter, I made a big mm-hmm. Twitter thread about, like, damage is a progress roll and health is a representation of the number of rolls you fail, essentially. Right. Uh, and uh, that really, like, blew my mind open in that, like, the game is telling me how many mistakes I can make as a player before I can mi- no longer make any mistakes or that my character is, like, incapable of doing any more actions. Um I thought about like the word strain as a replacement for health as well uh, when I was thinking about the skill system because there was a period where I was like, oh, if you fail like a skill or if you want to push yourself, there should be like some sort of like strain or fatigue that comes from that. But that's only if you want to add that in your game. Like if you want to put that quote unquote realism into it, it just depends on the the scope of it. Oh, but the, the last thing I wanted to mention on that is uh your players are never gonna run away they're never gonna run away (laughs) i've run away they're going to they're gonna fucking bash their foreheads against the dragon until one of them dies (laughs) there is no other option so um go ahead i was gonna say as a player i've run away oh i know you listen (laughs) yeah it's rare it's extraordinarily rare yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People who have been GMs are probably more apt to run away from a conflict <laughs> than, like, just players. Maybe. I don't know. I guess I'm making a very big general statement. But most of the time, you're gonna, you're just gonna bash your head against the problem. Everything's a nail and you're the dude. One of the three players uh, did not want to run away and died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, maybe it works for uh, your argument. But they brought up the concept of, like, morale. And uh, they've mentioned in other games, morale doesn't feel as good all the time because it's asymmetrical. Mm -hmm. Like, you can make enemies run away, but you can't tell a player to run away. Uh, But what if you did? What if you said, like, you had both enemies and players had morale amounts and when you hit a certain amount you have to roll against it otherwise you have to start like retreating or at least moving rooms or something like you have to change what's happening on the battlefield or in the fiction or whatever so i found that really interesting as a health system and just saying like hey if you hit this amount you lose this opportunity right like other Mm -hmm. games do it in single checks blades in the dark does it for controlled stuff when you fail the controlled position Mm -hmm. you lose this opportunity rethink what you were doing you're just not in trouble so like why can't there be like a you have to run away your your care like it goes back to the conversation of that your character is smarter than the player is in in those cases right like that character is alive and like has thoughts 
to yeah, me, exactly. my character is a funny little piece of paper that I push the buttons on and the fun story happens. But to that character, <laughs> this shit's real. Yeah. It's yeah. scary. And again, that's that's your flavor of, of game design. But I think I am in the field of thought that like the character would know, like, oh, we can't overcome right. this right now. Back. We need to go away. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> this is beyond our level cap. So... Uh... <laughs> Let's go back. Let's run away, reassess our strategy, and then we can go back in and try to like perfect what we were doing. I think mm-hmm. is interesting. So, anyways, that's all the conversation, a tangent about putting health in in your game, and like what that can look like. Yeah, I'll have to be. I'll have to be thinking about it. I had one idea, which is like, if you're damaging the stats, maybe there's like, depending on the class, a few. Um like free damages that you get to those Mm. so like Mm -hmm. the fighter the warrior has like three circles next to the physical stats that anytime Mm. they would go to bust up their physical stats like they don't have to because they've got these free boxes i guess that kind of works like how the armor in forge in the dark works Mm. but more of it nobody uses the armor in blades because you only get i use the armor all the time it's just don't there's not enough of it (laughs) You why got like take more safe HP and resistance rolls, dude? Why take armor when I could take an unusual weapon? <laughs> you ever think of that? <laughs> yeah, I think of... Hey, there's no no thing like a good offense for defense. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> got my fucking rusty saw blade. That's the best defense I need. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, I think what I'm gonna do if I decide to pursue this um as as an option my current thought is it'll be something that'll be like a pre-order on my ko-fi store sometime in february because i'm running Mm -hmm. the i'm running the kickstarter for legend has it in a couple of weeks probably that should be done Mm -hmm. that's gonna be i'll put my fucking name on this now that will be the quickest turnaround to a kickstarter that i'll i have ever done and will ever do because (laughs) As soon as I get the money, I'm gonna order it from from the game crafter, and they're gonna ship it, and it's gonna be very cool. Uh, to not have to deal with anything, <laughs> as opposed to grasping nettles, which took a damn almost a year, and now I have to print out and assemble like 250 games. <laughs> oh God, that's the next week for me for sure. So I'm gonna have a lot of time to be percolating on thoughts about the bell hack. Oh, I use a long arm stapler. um what was i gonna say so yeah i might just do like pre-orders where it's like if i make x amount of money however it costs to like get a print run Mm. then it's a print run if i don't you get a digital version thanks for the extra money (laughs) and just like being upfront about that i think like yeah it's 20 25 however much it is for this like tiny to this smaller book but if i don't get enough money to make the books like this is a this is Ko-Fi. This is a fucking donation platform, and you've <laughs> you've donated a little extra. I don't know. Is that weird? Is that too much? Because I don't like Kickstarter. The nice thing is, if you don't meet your funding goal, nobody gives you money. You're not out mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. But like branching outside of that to different places, like if I only sell twenty copies, I a fucking print run of twenty copies would mm-hmm. be like disastrous. I'd be out a lot of money. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
But if you're up front, if you're like, the way that this works is that you get a physical copy if I can afford to send you one. And you know that ahead of time. You can just wait until that happens, till that's guaranteed. That's fine mm-hmm. and scary mm-hmm. for me. Or you could just back for the digital and come back later and get the physical. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I think it would be... I think part of that is that conversation about like what does a PDF cost or how much do you charge for a PDF, right? Mm-hmm. And if I remember uh, this is going to involve Elon Musk, but I remember never <laughs> good sign. Yeah, I remember listening to like a short clip on YouTube uh, about how when Elon Musk started Tesla. Um, he made like the higher end mega luxury cars to pay for the more like budget end right. Teslas. Yeah, the first one so that came smart... out was the super expensive one, and then now yeah. they're selling junkers. Yeah, so like <laughs> starting on the making the people who have the dollars and really want the thing for the high end help support the people who do not have the dollars low end. So air quotes, uh, on that, but yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope that everyone here watching, aside from anyone new, <laughs> understands that, like, you know where I stand when it comes to relative incomes <laughs> and fucking how shitty uh, capitalism is. But The Musk fan uh, call-in show. Yeah. Come, call on in. <laughs> Please. Let's talk about... Please invite anyone who is interested in crypto, NFT, or Tesla <laughs> to come on to this show. We'll have a chat. Uh, we love but... it. But it's that idea, part of that is that I I think there is a little bit of like interesting percolation in that how do you, how do you get the higher end to help support all the other, like what is the product that is your bread and butter that you know people will spend like, I don't know, a hundred bucks a month or some shit on it and then how does that help facilitate other stuff for people who can't afford that, right? Like Mm -hmm. how do you meet all those price margins? So is it then... Like the PDF is the same price as the print copy, which helps pay for a print run because it's like making dinner at home is $3. Buying food out is $18. (laughs) So like, and it's the same food. It's the same soup you could have bought either way. Mm. Uh, But you get more of it at home. Or even more, the can of beer, $2. The fucking glass of beer at the bar is 7 Right, right. <laughs> so, literally the same beer. Yeah, li- <laughs> arguably better in the can because it doesn't have some bar's crusty tap lines that they haven't changed in years. This is the Big Brain podcast <laughs> where we look at where are you getting your money's worth. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting because I, yeah. I lately I've been leaning more towards like the physical is more expensive just because of like the logistics. But, like, not that much more expensive. Which is to say, not that I've made my physical games cheaper, but the mm-hmm. cost of the digital games is kind of gone up a little bit. Because, mm-hmm. for one, I, I, there's always going to be... I'll never not have free copies on itch topped off. If the Trove mm-hmm. ever comes back, I'm, I'll just mail them my PDFs. Take it for free. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you need to take it for free, I want you to have it. I want you to play it. I don't want to tie that to how well I'm doing, necessarily... If that hurts me, that hurts me. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Um, But then that means that I feel a a lot better charging how much I really think it's worth. So like Grasping Nettles, the PDF is $10. The the zine is $15. I could probably Mm -hmm. go higher. 
but that's that's what feels good. Uh, mm-hmm. For the for the Kickstarter, the PDF PDF was eight bucks. So if you back there, you got a deal. But yeah. um, I don't know. Like the it's five extra dollars to like pay me to print out the thing, and then you're paying shipping also. So they you're paying for that. Um, it could be a pay it forward thing too, because there are definitely people who like like I'm a person who doesn't really care about physical copies. Mm-hmm. So like you could even do opposite. a pay it forward model where like what. I said I'm the opposite. I need the physical. Uh, I can't have read to have a, physical. I can't read a file. So, like, if I paid for the PDF, mm. that's like paying for someone's physical copy that you could send them, right? Like, if that there's that sort of, like, you could have those two different prices of PDF, maybe. Mm. Uh, that might be, be a thing where, like, it's the PDF plus you give someone else a print. You gift a print. Um, that could be a yeah. thought. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of thoughts to have, and like on Ko-Fi, um, I I set. By the way, if you want to get any of my games that are in physical form, you can go to my Ko-Fi page at Ko-Fi dot whatever the hell slash Adamy Bell. I don't know how their URLs work yet, <laughs> but the thing that I have set up there because it lets you do different options at different price points is just like there's the regular price, and then you can just choose to have it be cheaper. And you can mm-hmm. also choose to have it be more expensive. And I've done that for, mm-hmm. for all of it. I'm trying to think of the wording because currently I have it like just a hardship price and then pay extra price. I don't really want – I want to change that wording to not be hardship because mm-hmm. that feels stressful to click. Mm-hmm. I was talking with mm-hmm. Sasha and maybe even just changing it to the I'm broke <laughs> price, <laughs> which for some reason it's yeah. less dire than the word hardship. <laughs> But something to get across, like, if you need to pay less, like, you can. And then also, if you can't pay extra, come on. Come on. For, fork it over. Where's the camera? Yeah. Fork it over. Uh, <laughs> you, you were mentioning something about having the community copies topped off. And I have my own thoughts about community copies that we don't have to get into here today because we're top of the hour. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Gem Room Games does a really good idea. That's Dan Phipps and Kali Laurie, the Gem Room Games family. Uh, they do, you get a free game with their newsletter, which this is like talking about how to support the, how to support yourself and the creator sort of thing, like the marketing of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would find that really interesting if there was like a game that you were willing to like give for free with like sign up of a newsletter. That could also be, I really like that. I like what Gem Room Games has done with that for sure. Yeah. That's just another thought. That's just a thought. <laughs> That is no, that is good like marketing, good good feelings. Even if it's a game they could already like if I were to give away a game, even though you could already go to my itch page and get all of them for free, mm-hmm. it's still compelling to to be given a free game. Because there's something different mm-hmm. about like clicking that like, oh I'm taking one of this limited number, even though in my case it's not limited. I'm taking one of these limited number of free copies as opposed to like I'm entering a giveaway. I feel yeah, very yeah. deluxe right now. <laughs> and you're getting kind of like two things, right? Vibe. You're getting the newsletter and the game. Mm-hmm. So that's like a double win in a lot of cases. Yeah. There's a lot of thoughts to be had. Should I do Should I do the thing in February? <laughs> should you do the thing in February? Chat, can we get can you start a poll here? Can you start a poll here? Do you want to see should the bell Adam hack? Do- yeah, do you want to see the bell hack? Yes or no? <laughs> In February. <laughs> God. 
Uh, one in chat for yes, two in chat for no. Nina, you can make like a real poll. Right now. A I know. One. Wait, can I still make the poll? I think so. I think so I did. You're, yes. you're a mod. Slash poll question. Bell hack in February? I didn't spell February right. <laughs> I also don't care. Yes. Yeah, so the good news is a lot of a lot of these creative impulses that I have um as, as long as I get the core ideas written down, I can like set them aside. So that's uh -huh. most that's what I did yesterday and like talking it out counts as that. Um how come you didn't put a give me a different name option? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I think I think the chat's already spoken about what the name of it should be. <laughs> so, so the the good news is I don't like I'm not going to feel like pressured to do this by February. It's just like should I? Uh, I I'm thinking about it because I think it'd be fun. Because uh, but I don't know. I don't want to drive myself into the ground because I was looking at uh, I was I was looking at the releases that I did in 2021. Mm -hmm. Six out of eight of them were last January. <laughs> <laughs> never seen from again <laughs> <laughs> kind of a problem <laughs> top of the year release and then yeah. that's it i was feeling it last january yeah and then yeah, the other 11 months are strictly marketing and fulfillment true crumbled yeah and then it took until just now <laughs> till this january now grasping nettles is out it's uh i don't want to do that again i want i want nice consistent calm quarterly releases yeah. 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 Yep. All right, I'll vote yes. <laughs> but we are at the top. We're past the top of the hour. Jim, do you have anything else you wanna? We should be talking about today. No, I don't think so. Next week's gonna be a call-in show. Uh, so get your questions ready, everyone. Where your stories? Here's one. Nobody's ever called in to tell us like a story about a game they played. I want to hear that. Special Ooh. episode next week. Tell us, tell us about yeah, the games. Yeah, no questions, only stories. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about how we actually like games and playing them. Yeah. And I want to hear, I want to hear about you playing games. If you've got, could we let's make, could we make it more specific? Could it be like, like what uh, we talked a lot about, sort of the trad fantasy space, and mm -hmm. I think a decent amount of our viewers have played that style of game. Could it be like your favorite? player story like your favorite character moment yeah yeah it doesn't have to be it could just be a trad trad fancy it could be like warhammer right it could be fucking it could be it i would say any game do you want it to be specifically trad fantasy games or just any any game Car be best any character game. moment yeah I mean, best character moment yeah call in with your best character moments uh next week we'll probably remind people the day before or some shit yeah i'll tweet I'll, I'll get on the twitter i'll tweet about it yeah, character quip, moment Monday for sure. Whip up a good uh, graphic or something. I no promises, yeah. but look for it. Retweet it. Follow <laughs> it. Follow the show on Twitter at Tabletop Colin. You probably already are, but if you're not, that's how you'll know that the show happens every Monday. <laughs> uh, the winner of the vote is yes for hmm. four votes. I think this is going to be one of those things where I'm calling into question the democracy because there's not enough. The turnout too low. You know, there's thousands, there's millions of people that watch this show. And yeah. <laughs> only four responses of questioning the, the validity of the results. 
Oh, it's fucked up. It really is. Uh, yeah. Is? Well. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> voting. Uh, I've been Jeremy Gage. Uh, you can find me at Jeremy Gage Five over on Twitter. Listen to the Draw Your Dice podcast. It's coming back in the middle of the month. Uh, and yeah, uh, if you want to talk about Umbral Dive stuff, come to the DYD server. I chat mm-hmm. about it there every once in a while. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I've been Adam Bell. Uh, get me on Twitter at Adam E. Bell. Go, go get your digital copy of Grasping Nettles if you backed it. Go buy one if you didn't. Uh, there's an audio book that I recorded yesterday. So you can you can listen to me reading the book to you in this voice that I have, including all the quick nettles, which uh, was kind of the most fun part. But then also I was tired by the time I got there. So maybe I'll re-record them one day with a little bit more gusto. Gusto. You have an audiobook version? You're just yeah, doing dude. it all out of I, I think yesterday there was just a nervous energy within me and I quelled it by recording an audiobook version. There's an audiobook, there's an online play guide, so you can, uh, you know, play online easily on Miro. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. good. It's it's fucking good. I think it will stand the test of time. I have high hopes for it in the future, and I hope you join me and enjoy it. Um, is there anything else we have to say? Did you already, you already did your spiel, right? I did mine. I did it first today. You did it first. I like that. Yeah. A little initiative. Let's get out of here. Uh, bye, everybody. Thanks for, for joining us. Stay <laughs> stay for the song. We're out of here. Where's the button? Nope.